0: Welcome to Meet, Act, and Part, a Masonic podcast hosted by Midnight Freemasons Greg Knott, Darren Larners,
1: Todd Creason, and Bill Hosler. The views, opinions, and experiences that are expressed by the hosts or guests as individual Freemasons do not reflect the official position of any Grand Lodge, appendant body,
0: or Masonic authority to which the hosts or guests belong. And now
1: on with the show.
0: and welcome to another exciting episode of Meet, Act, and Part. First, let me wish you a happy new year. It's 2021, and we're into year two of Meet, Act, and Part. And tonight, we're going to do sort of a a recap of our first year and talk about some of our guests and just some reflections on a very interesting year. And then uh, we're going to do some forward-looking stuff. So. Anyway, let let us introduce ourselves. I am uh, one of your hosts, Greg Knott.
1: And I'm Bill Hosler. And I'm Darren Laners.
0: And we've had quite a journey. So we started talking about doing a podcast probably in the latter part of 2019. Never really kind of got around to it. And then finally Darren and I uh, decided, hey, we're going to do this. And then we got in touch with Bill. And uh we've had Todd Creason as, as one of our other occasional co-hosts, and we put together what ended up being 27 episodes, which really was impressive from, from my viewpoint. We just had some really fantastic guests, and we were absolute rookies getting into the podcast world. I mean, I've always loved radio and things like that, but I've never really been on this side of the microphone for any length of time. And I think we got better as we went. I want to thank really thank Bill and Darren. Uh Bill has done all of our social media. And if you go check out our website, meetactandpart.com, com, there's some uh links to the shows out there and some other information. Darren has done a great job of editing down all of our uh miscues and things and, and making us sound as good as we can and Sometimes edit out the the barking dogs and whatever else going on with 2020. And uh, so it's it's been a good time. So what we thought, again, we'd just do some uh, reflection and kind of talk about what we've learned, not just from the aspect of doing a podcast, but just 2020 in general, because it's been 44 weeks since we went home, essentially. And uh, I've kind of kept a journal, at least for my work, So I can have a sense, especially to look back at some point and understand all of what happened. In my case, I had just started a a new job and was only on the job seven, eight weeks, and we had to go home and we went virtual. And so that was a challenge. So it was like starting over again. Darren and I were talking before we got on the air, when are we going to go back? Maybe summer, we don't know, but it kind of will be like restarting up again. And in in the Lodge sense, it's just like that as well. Once we got into March, especially in Illinois and I think most other states, most of the Masonic jurisdictions shut everything down. And so all of a sudden, we went into this lockdown mode, not having meetings. And then all of a sudden, you're starting to figure out how you can do business. And uh, so why don't we kind of start there? I mean, Darren has been Worshipful Master of St. Joseph Lodge. He was installed actually after COVID started, but he, and he was already helping kind of guide the lodges as we went, but he had to quickly help adjust the lodge and keep it going. So Darren, what was your experiences like as we went virtual?
1: I will hopefully be the only master of St. Joe that was installed virtually. Uh, I hope that uh, my my successor Travis will uh, get to have a regular installation in June or maybe early July. I mean, obviously, it's something that you're not prepared for. But that being said, working in IT, I was used to working from home at least two days a week, sometimes three. So it wasn't that big a change for me. I basically took a lot of things that I I knew from a uh, meeting virtually already uh, through the meetings that I had when I would be at home and just applied them to the Lodge settings. So thank goodness that we have the technology to do virtual meetings. Uh, I know a lot of people have been using Zoom. Some of our members have had issues with Zoom. So we basically settled with Google Meet and it's been working just great for uh for St. Joe and I think I've also set up a meeting or a couple of meetings for Homer as well.
0: So Bill, you've been more home than us and probably had less of an adjustment, but here you're out in Oklahoma. What were you seeing out there or were there adjustments you had to make or what was going on from your end?
2: Mostly my adjustments were just little things since I'm home most every day anyway. My adjustments were we couldn't go out on weekends and go like have breakfast or maybe go to the grocery store or something like that. My daily thing is I get up in the morning and I play Mason on the internet until pretty much five o'clock and then I spend time with my lady for the rest of the evening. So my days pretty much really hasn't changed that much. The only thing is I kind of tried to keep abreast on what was going on through the country, you know, with the various Grand Lodges and I tried to post on my. My author page as much as I could just to keep everyone sort of informed of what the other Grand Lodges were doing. I don't know how well I exceeded, but I thought at least that's something that I could do to possibly keep people informed. Oklahoma, they pretty much as like most of the Lodges, they are Grand Lodges. They ceased operation as did Texas, and see with special guidelines they came back. They Neither of them really did virtual meetings like Illinois did. They have Zoom, texted the various meetups just to check on things, and and they talked with each other. And a couple of Oklahoma lodges did too. But it was, you know, it was definitely a learning experience. But I really spent my time. The thing that I enjoyed the most was I had never heard of Zoom before this, and I think I'm in the majority. and, And I really I got to do a lot more Masonic education. Especially from places that there is no way I would have ever been able to go to in my physical life, like in London or South Africa and various other places around the globe. I got to see things that I never would have been able to do. And it's just been great. I mean, I hate that to it took a pandemic and so many people had to perish for this to happen. But for me, it really didn't change things other than people got to see the way I left to live every day.
0: <laughs> yeah. The people I've met online, I mean, I, I know a lot of Masons online anyway, from Facebook and whatever, but uh, like you, Bill, and, and I know Darren's done some things on online outside of our normal circle of Freemasons, and uh, it's been pretty fun, so I've, for a number of times, I've attended a, uh, a virtual Zoom in, in Clarence F. Smith Daylight Lodge, number 866, in California, and gotten to know uh, some of the brothers there uh California I don't believe has met since the spring and so I I knew one of the members through scouting and he invited me in and so it was pretty pretty fun to uh, meet other people and and learn what they're doing out there and they were just as curious about myself and more what was happening in Illinois I'm also a dual member of Naval Lodge number no. 4 in Washington DC and I've attended more meetings there than I've been able to in ten years because they've all been virtual as well. They have not either met in person since the spring i uh attended a installation of their lodge officers and there it went you know very similar to the one we did at St Joe's, so it's opened up opportunities I didn't anticipate being there, but uh they worked. And uh, so just to touch on, you know, some of our past guests and episodes, if you go back and listen to episode number five, that was in May, and it was the three of us there, Darren, Bill, and myself, and we were beginning just to talk about those virtual meetings and seeing how things were going and getting people engaged. And uh, later, we had the opportunity to have on episode seven, if you go listen, Mike Nichols, who was just finished up as the most worshipful grandmaster of uh, the Grand Lodge of Washington, D.C., and uh, he, he really put into action a, a real plan. I mean, he, he got everything quickly organized. They formed some committees. He formed some outreach to ensure that all the brethren of the district uh, that needed help were able to get it. He, I think, appointed either a medical or a safety officer, one of the members that was, had that background, and they really just, uh, they went into, to full action. It's a small jurisdiction, but he, if you listen to that episode, he talks about some of the things they did. And then finally, later on episode 14, we had, uh, Stephen F. Oakley, who's the most forceful grandmaster of Illinois. And he spoke about the decisions they were making, he and his Grand Lodge officers, our Grand Lodge, and some of the factors they had to take into account. It was interesting to compare and contrast Mike with Steve and D.C. being relatively small and compact, Illinois being a a very large state and one of the largest jurisdictions in in the world, and how you have to try to... Uh, accommodate certainly various geographic regions and also certainly, at least at that time, a lot of people had different opinions about the severity and uh, some of the things about COVID. And so he had to try to to strike the middle ground, and I I think he just uh, did a a really good job. So let me throw it to to Darren. What do you, as you think back, listening to, to Mike and Steve and those episodes and others, what do you What do you think you learned?
1: I think I learned what a difficult job it is to be uh, Grand Master of a uh, Grand Lodge of uh, Freemasons. I, I don't envy either the gentlemen. I think that both, uh, as you mentioned, both uh, Most Worshipful Brother Oakley and Most Worshipful Brother Mike did uh, a fabulous job of adjusting on the fly and and keeping their Grand Lodge jurisdictions going, even though uh, they couldn't meet. I know that Brother Mike especially was doing, I think, weekly YouTube videos uh, to keep his brethren informed. And then I know that Most Worshipful Brother Oakley was uh, sending uh, email correspondence about weekly. So I think both uh, Most Worshipful Brothers did excellent job of keeping their brethren informed and uh, making as good of a decisions that they could based upon the information that they had.
0: And Bill, like you were saying earlier, you've really tried to kind of keep people informed about what's going on in various jurisdictions. And given your location in Oklahoma and not too far from Texas, did, did they vary much in their uh, approach to uh, the COVID uh, pandemic or what, what did you learn?
2: Yeah, they kind of did. I'm only 30 miles from the Red River where Texas and Oklahoma meet, and they did differ. Texas, they went back a lot quicker, and then I, they they kind of went back with a socially distance thing quicker where they allowed masks and such, and they had hand sanitizer in various locations around the lodge. And I think, if I remember right, Oklahoma, it took them a little while longer. Then I think they closed down again for a certain period. And they were, requ- they were encouraging uh, just to go out and get the uh, handheld thermometers. You'd like the one when you walk into a building now where they, you know, they can take your temperature without touching you. And I think they were encouraging that. And um, They did, I mean, all of them were trying to follow the CDC guidelines as, as given on that week. But they all tried to do a great job. And I really think they did. I don't really know of anybody who got sick in a lodge meeting in either jurisdiction. I do know that one brother, one of the and early in the COVID pandemic from the Texas Retirement Center did pass away. He was one of the first in Texas. So that was kind of a wake-up call for a lot of the brethren in Texas. Yes. But I think that they really, they really did try their best to follow the letter of the law and the rules of the jurisdiction. And the, I don't know, like Governor Abbott in Texas and Governor Stitt, they tried to follow both of their guidelines and rules and laws as quickly and as close as I could. So just like a good Mason should.
0: Yeah, it's been, as you read the interwebs, not just in even the Masonic sphere of things, but just the width of opinions. <laughs> I mean, it runs the gamut from people that absolutely don't believe any of it to folks that are very concerned with it and, and believe so accordingly. And uh so it, it just it really runs the gamut. So as Darren mentioned, to be that grandmaster and have to make those decisions to try to appease different things in Illinois, it's just it, the, the different parts of the state just have different philosophies on things. It's just it just is. And it isn't just covid related. It's essentially everything. And so to try to come up with uh, a compromise, you know, early on, everything was shut down. And so we went dark, I think, in uh, March, certainly in April, May, and I think June. And then we came back and uh, opened back up, and at least for us at St. At Joe, we closed again because the, the COVID numbers started to spike. They were really doing pretty good, all of us as a state and nation, at the end of the summer. And then, of course, as people started doing things again and uh schools got back in session and and other things then the numbers have uh, continually really gone up to uh to this day so it uh we of course won't dwell on this whole episode on covid but it has dominated 2020 in every single aspect of everything uh we've done
2: well that was one thing that i just want to inject that grandmaster texas there was a lot of in fact, I, in our installation, the outgoing master and the um, incoming master had definitely had very different opinions on how things should be run. And the Grand Master text, Texas, well, as being Texas, he basically said, well, this is what Governor Abbott wants. This is what the state's saying. This is what we're doing. If you don't like it, you can stay home. So, you know, it, it was pretty much the way it worked. And then I was like, OK, yes, sir. And so, I mean, I imagine that's the way most jurisdictions work, at least I would think so. If that's what the grandmaster says, that's what we're going
0: to do. To some level, there's an amount of liability that you have to consider when you're making decisions. Here in Illinois, uh, the high schools aren't playing sports yet, and parents are putting a lot of pressure on them. And here we are, midway through, at least like in my son's case, it's his senior year, and they haven't been able to do sports. But you know the the school board and the administrators and the the high school associations all have to take into a factor uh, risk and liability and same thing in a masonic lodge. I mean, what's the what's the risk assessment you need to do before? And you know, some of our lodges, our our membership is average age is probably sixty plus, and I'm probably being generous at that. It's probably older, and so absolutely in the at-risk category. I mean, every lodge I'm associated with and appendant bodies, even in my mid-50s, I'm still one of the younger people. And so that has certainly weighed on on the minds of a number of people. Darren and I know some of our Masonic friends, I know two, three, four, five of them have have had COVID. And a couple of them in uh, pretty serious ways. And now they've, at least all the ones I know, have recovered. But, uh, all you have to do is look at the stats, and we know the, uh, the, the deaths have gone up. So so that's that's a little bit uh, about COVID, and uh, we'll probably weave some more in. But, you know, one of the, uh, the favorite episodes we for me that we did, which was fun, was having Chris Hodapp and Alice Von Cannon, his wife, on. And, and of course, Chris is well-known for his book, Freemasons for Dummies, and, and his blog, of the same name and uh there's probably no guy more on top of what's going on in the Masonic world around the world than chris and so it was uh a real uh fun treat having them on and uh darren what'd you think of that episode
1: to be honest anytime you have chris on uh, i think a little bit of nerves come into play I have always enjoyed, and I've had limited interaction with both of them in the past, but I've always enjoyed both of them. Uh, Both of them are very intelligent, very funny, just uh, good down-to-earth people. And I thought it was an excellent episode. It's probably one of my, I would say, top three that we have done personally for 2020. Just, uh, I think we uh, had a good flowing conversation. And um, yeah, I really liked it.
0: Bill, you knew Chris in Indiana when you were uh, living there, and you were raised in Indiana. What's what's been your uh, experiences with Chris?
2: Oh, Chris is a—he's a handful. I mean, (laughs) oh, I can think of so many things. Most of them I wouldn't want to put on the air, but uh, (laughs) he is just so much fun to be around. If you what you hear on that tape is even just a fraction of how funny he is in real life. Him and Alice Bowl. If, you know, if you go out to dinner with him, it's just either sides for by the time you're done. It's just hilarious. And he's very serious about Freemasonry and he's very serious about Masonic education. That's one of his favorite topics. And I mean, he doesn't mince words about it. He definitely thinks that, that there should be more education in our lodges and, and that we should be taking it a little more seriously. And, I can't fault him on that. I mean, it's absolutely, he's just, such a wealth of information. He's seen and done it all in Freemasonry in just the last 20 years, and he's been a Mason. I mean, you think about that. He went in, I think it was 2001, in a one-day class, and Grand Lodge, Indiana put on. I don't think he even thought about what he was going to, if this was going to be what he was going to do. And he is just, he's taken it by both horns and he's just really ran with it and it's just for a fella that just joined because he because of a masonic funeral he's just it's amazing what he's done it's just i I really have to take my hat off when he is just such an asset to the craft
0: i think what chris's experience illustrates to me is you never know that new mason that you uh sign a petition for you just don't know what impact they're going to have on the craft. You know, there's so many that go through the degrees and, and aren't aren't too involved. But you find all of a sudden somebody like Chris and you look how much impact he has had on, I, I would argue, the worldwide effect through his, through his books. And he's got several books, more than just the one. But also he's been on some of the, the television shows on the History Channel. He was one of the founders of the Masonic Society and was their journal editor for years. His blog alone is worth a read to find out all of the information going on. So you just never know who you're going to get that's going to catch fire and, and make such a such an impact. So Chris's story, I think is phenomenal. I know he had overcame some uh, serious health issues and just kept churning out the work. I mean, it's uh, he's really a guy that uh, I admire, and he epitomizes uh, Freemasonry. As you said, uh, Bill and, and and Darren, I think both alluded a little bit, but uh, Masonic education. In episode ten, we had Robert Johnson, and he, of course, is one of our good friends, uh, longtime colleague as a midnight Freemason, and he is just to me is amazing how much energy he has, like Chris, but in different areas, and how much uh, impact uh, Robert has made. And, of course, we in that episode, we talked to him about some of his uh, projects. Uh, He's the host of uh, Whence Came You, which comes out every Sunday night. He's also one of the co-hosts of the Masonic Roundtable. And he's been doing those Whence Came You for almost a decade. And the Masonic Roundtable, I know, has been going five, six, seven years. And so here we're just talking about getting through one year. These guys have done it for the better part of ten. So I admire what they've been able to do and still keep that energy level. All again with the purpose of trying to invigorate other members and show them that there's more than just the meeting minutes and paying the bills. It's really. Uh, amazing what it's done i saw robert has just came out with a new book it is about starting your own lodge and what well, he he couched it basically said it was his experience because he and a, a set of brothers in illinois i know started a new lodge and uh i bought the book last night on kindle i haven't read it yet but it's just his experiences and several other authors from around the country on what they've experienced on starting a new lodge and i think uh the gist of the book is to kind of challenge people to think of what it could be if you get yourself and other like-minded people to to get it going and so I'll, I'll be really uh curious to read that book and I'm going to ask uh Darren uh cuz Darren's one of our uh area education officers for the Grand Lodge of Illinois what have you learned from RJ or You've certainly followed him for some time and now co-managed the Midnight Freemasons with him. What's what's his impact been on the craft?
1: Well, before I uh, do that, uh, RJ's new book is entitled How to Charter a Lodge, a no-nonsense, unsanctioned guide. As Greg mentioned, uh, you can pick that up on Amazon, and it's also in the Kindle store. And an audible version will be released soon. So I would, uh, if you are interested in forming a lodge, I think uh, this would be the book to have. And I'd urge anyone out there to, uh, to pick it up and read it. That being said... RJ is, uh, just, uh, I don't have the words to describe what RJ, uh, means to me, his support, uh, his enthusiasm, uh, his energy, uh, you just, you just feed off of it, and you honestly, uh, when you talk to RJ, you can't help but be inspired by him, and, it's been uh just a complete pleasure and honor to get to work with him on the Midnight Freemasons blog and to uh become a uh, a friend of his and i'm just i'm just blown away every time i talk to him uh just by his overwhelming support just of not only our podcast but uh my writing and uh all of my individual efforts uh it just uh as I said, I don't have words. so RJ, I just uh, if you're listening, I just wanted to say thank you again for everything that uh, you've done to, to help me out and everything you do to the craft. I tend to think that that RJ is uh, somebody that has become uh, really one of the the main torchbearers for Masonic education, his name. His name uh, carries weight, and I think it carries weight for all the things that I just mentioned that he has done for me, because not only does he do it for me, but he does it for almost everyone that that i know uh that uh has a passion for masonic education so uh, i just don't know where he gets the energy um, he's almost like uh it's almost like a toddler in that regard he just keeps or the energizer bunny he just has this this boundless energy and just love and support for everybody that uh you know he meets and and everybody that's uh that he helps, he's one of the most uh, selfless people that I have met when it comes to furthering the cause of education. I I don't know where he gets the time, but to my knowledge, I don't know that he ever says no to anyone. If uh, if you want him to come talk to your lodge or. Uh, give a presentation or come on a podcast uh he will always make time for you and uh i think that's uh, that speaks volumes to not only what a type of brother and person rj is but his love for masonic education and his wanting to champion that cause so uh, i hope that answers your question greg
0: yeah i agree with everything you've said darren and- just uh he continues to amaze me all the time. Bill, he uh of course is like we've said our he was the he took over for Taz, the editor of the Ma- our Midnight Freemasons. He's now co editor with Darren. Uh as you've been a part of the Midnight Freemasons, you know, over the last several years, what uh what have you learned from R J and uh what do you what do you think his impact on the future of Masonry is gonna be?
2: You know, RJ is the reason I'm even here right now, because he's the one who talked me into trying to write. i never really, I had thought about it before, but I didn't think I had it in me. When I, I used to look at Chris and all the other members of the Knights of the North, and I was just kind of like their gopher, because I didn't think I had it in me to write. When I met RJ on a project, he's like, well, why don't you try writing? And so I tried it, and here I am today. So. I have that and him to thank for it, but I was sitting here thinking while I was listening to you guys, RJ has a great influence on Masonic education. It's almost like Chris Hodat brings them in with his writing and RJ keeps them here with his um, digital world between the podcasts and you know, his videos. I mean, he's taken things like he digitized, he went and he found Manly P. Hall's Talks and he cleaned them up and he digitized them, and I, so many people find those as a great resource. He came up there and he had the idea originally for Masonic Radio Theater, and then he it was his idea to deal with the the sound effects, and, and it was a great hit. The only thing we couldn't do is come up with enough content to keep it going; otherwise, it'd still be going. But I, Robert's just he is like the Energizer Bunny, and the thing that I don't understand. He does all these things for the Masonic craft while being an executive of the job and having a wife and four children on top of it. I, you know, I get up in the morning and I need a nap before I get dressed. I don't know how he does it. I have, I just commend him. And I think his, in the future, he's going to continue to where he's going to be a true force. People for 50 years from now, the young men who are going to be masons, they're going to be looking at him like they do like. Manly P. Hall or like, like I do Alan Roberts or any of the greats that we look at today. I really think that they're going to look to him in the future for all different kinds of things, you know, Masonic wise and for inspiration, maybe for writing, maybe just to keep them going in the craft.
0: Yeah, I agree. His, uh, his legacy will be big and he's not doing it to create one for himself. I just think he sees the value of what Freemasonry can do to impact uh, the lives of others. And so I know that's part of what motivates him and uh, just a a desire for all of us to uh, excel and succeed. So, R.J., thank you from the bottom of our heart for everything uh, that you do. Uh, You know, one of my actual favorite episodes uh, was episode 13, and that's when we had Brother Eric Marks on. And, uh, he is a, uh, licensed clinical social worker and, uh, he's also one of our fellow midnight Freemasons. He's out on the, uh, East coast. We had a discussion on mental health and, uh, so much, uh, of that, so much of mental health topics are historically, uh, you didn't talk about them. I mean, it was, of course, I've, I've always said that was either just out of ignorance or, uh, or other reasons I guess, but uh to me that was we explored a number of things and uh, a number of ways to help people or to to notice and watch out for our brothers and ourselves both and especially as COVID and twenty twenty progressed, I mean, I think at least for myself, you'd go through sort of a roller uh an emotional roller coaster. You know, first it's like, uh, okay, well we'll go home. It we won't be home for that long. And then you go two, three, four, five, six months, and all of a sudden, okay, well, where's the end? Well, I don't know and so i i I admit there was times that i I've had a hard time adjusting because I've never been one that just sits uh I've been involved in way too much stuff, probably, but uh it was interesting and informative and relaxing to hear how Eric just presented so many topics it's a, really it's a topic that I Hope we go back and explore with him again, especially given that we're going to be uh, into the full year of this stuff just right around the corner. And uh, he just had some some great ideas and thoughts about uh, that topic. And it was interesting to hear also how he had approached the craft and why he had joined the craft and uh, how maybe that interluded a little bit with some of the things that he had done on his job. So. It was a a very, very interesting and very uh, good episode. Darren, I'd ask if you had any thoughts on uh, our episode with
1: Eric. Well, yeah, uh, Eric is uh, very near and dear to me. When he joined the Midnight Freemasons, uh, we, I think, really just kind of bonded, and uh, we talked weekly. Uh, I was... uh, honored uh, Eric uh, near the end of December invited me on a a zoom that he was having with some other brethren and I was honored to be able to attend that but Eric is um, just as you said a very great uh, brother and very knowledgeable regarding obviously uh, the field of mental health as he's a licensed clinical social worker and just uh, just full of great ideas and as, as you said Greg, just it was uh, one of the one of the episodes that really i think hopefully helped uh, our brethren uh cope with uh, what's going on so uh I can't say enough great things about eric i uh, I consider him a very good friend and yeah very much so uh, we need to have him back on the, the podcast as well
0: yeah it was uh it was good. Jumping around here a little bit, Bill, on episode 19, we had T.S. Akers, and uh, I think you helped arrange that with him uh, to be on our show. Just a very interesting guy. He's done a lot of research on the Native Americans and Freemasonry, especially in Oklahoma, who wrote a story of the former Grand Master of the Grand Lodge of Oklahoma who was impeached as governor because of yoga and other things. We talked about Spanish flu and some others. Bill, talk a little bit about that episode and uh, maybe what you learned from TS and just he he has so much historical knowledge and which is another exciting to me angle of Freemasonry is all the things you can learn from our past.
2: Yeah, TS is very interesting. He's very knowledgeable about Oklahoma history, especially the Native American aspect. And And he takes a different approach to what most historians do, and that's where he adds freemasonry into it especially with the native american tribes it's rare that you ever hear that and and oklahoma does have a rich history about that i mean i'm no expert because i'm not a native here pardon the pun i mean because the uh, choctaw and the chickasaw were the ones that albert pike came to speak to over here in the indian territory quote unquote when he was a confederate general so i mean there is a history of freemasonry you know several degrees of separation, but he did, yeah, you know, I guess that one governor was impeached because he brought yoga, which, if, you, if you've been to Oklahoma, you'll understand that. He's also a Native American himself. He belongs to the Creek Nation. So I think that's what spurred his interest. But he's also, I don't think we spoke about it as much on that episode, but he's also very knowledgeable and he has a uh, historian of the Knights Templar of Oklahoma. He has a blog on Blogspot where he talks about different aspects of Oklahoma Freemasonry history. And he does talk about a lot of the grand commandery of Oklahoma. And like I say, he barely touched the surface of just his research and information that he has known. And he, he goes into Scottish Rite history. I think he's the actual museum curator for the Valley of McAllister, the Scottish Rite here. I mean, he's just, he's very up on it. and He is a great asset to Oklahoma. And I know that he really enjoys it, but he gets—he gets like us sometimes. He does get a little. Sometimes he wishes, yeah, education was a little bit more involved and large like we do. I know he gets upset about that sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah, his his blog, if anybody would like to go see it or read it, is okaymasonichistory.blogspot.com, and he has a post out there today talking about. Masonic uh, patents from the collection of uh, McAllister Scottish Rite, and uh, it's, of course patents to me they're they're fascinating, and hopefully maybe someday we'll do a show on those. But he, uh, if you can see today's blog post, you can see over time what's encompassed in some of those uh, patents, and he's just got all kinds of great posts out there. So again, just another uh, fabulous guest and it's amazing how much we learn from each one of our episodes and how, to me, it was just the, the variety. I think as we started the year out, we weren't really sure what direction we're going to go. And you have a guest, have a guest, have a guest. And all of a sudden, the the show kind of took uh, took shape on its own over the course of time. So I'm going to jump to episode 22, which was Dago Rodriguez. And it was one of those episodes that, I don't think I would have ever thought to have it put together but it was focused on the Southern California Research Lodge has their publication called the Fraternal Review and they had created the Masonic Style issue and uh I'm going to ask Darren to comment and talk about that cuz it was just it was so much fun and that was such a such a great uh not only episode of the show but episode of their journal.
1: Yeah, I agree. I was able to meet Dago. uh, I've not met him in person, but virtually because he published an article of mine that I had written for the Midnight Freemasons for a uh, fraternal review issue that I believe came out in April of 2020, uh, which uh, touched upon uh, Freemasonry and the movie Fight Club. And I was just blown away uh, to be honored in such a way to be published in such a prestigious magazine such as the Fraternal Review and after that had talked to Dago kind of off and on and asked him if he wanted to to come on and he had mentioned about uh, this particular issue that they had uh, been working on and coming out so I think it was just perfect to have Dago on to discuss that issue. It was the first double issue that Fraternal Review did and if you can pick up a copy of it, it's well worth it it's uh just packed uh from uh the front to the back with just uh great articles. There's a photo shoot uh showing some different masonic fashion and uh, just uh just a great great interview with Dago and great magazine that uh he edits.
0: We encourage you to join or. Uh, certainly subscribe to the Southern California Lodge of Research. It's a a great magazine. One of my favorite episodes was 23, and that was with Most Worshipful Brother Russ Chobanya from the Grand Lodge of California. And during his year as Grand Master, three or four or five years ago, he had picked the topic of civility. And it's been one of the topics that I've long been interested in and certainly with the the current events of where we are here in early january of twenty twenty one there's more need than ever for our nation to embrace civility and uh some of what we talked about in that episode was what is civility how do you uh how do you participate in civility what what's its impact on freemasonry and uh so I encourage people to to go out and take a listen to it and Again, we barely scratched the surface and we hope to have Russ back on in 2021 to dig down a little bit more and talk about it because I think our country is going to need it more now than ever. And so, uh, I'm not going to go too really deep into current events, but, uh, I'll just say that civility, uh, is really, uh, needed. So getting towards the, uh, end here. So I'm just going to pick one more episode that was my favorite. And, uh, one of was leadership versus management. And we had Chris Hathaway, who is now a new contributor to the Midnight Freemasons blog. Chris is also, uh, from Illinois and we've known him. And, uh, he, he brought literally a younger perspective to what we're talking about. He had just gone through and finished an MBA. So we were talking about some of the things that, uh, he had learned as part of that program, we talked about what's the difference between leadership and management, and uh, and that's impact on the Lodge. And so, again, uh, go listen. So lots of other episodes, but uh, what I thought we'd do here to just kind of wrap up our first episode of 21 is just talk about going forward. Again, in my view, 20 has been tough on all of us, and we've had to adjust. And I think Freemasonry has adjusted well. As I talk to brothers, there's concerns as whenever normal's on the horizon, which is a few months away. But uh we're going to have to do some work to get our members back because we've gotten out of the habit of going to meetings. And I think we're going to need to reach out to people. But there's, a I think, a real opportunity because we've all been cooped up for so long and a phone call, a letter, an email or a text or something, uh, a visit to our brothers and say, we've uh missed you. We're going to hope you come back and uh, we're going to get reconnected with people uh in a safe way. And I think people are going to crave interaction with one another. So there's, I think, an opportunity on the horizon if we take advantage of it. And so. Uh, still a lot of work to do between now and then, but uh, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to is being able to uh, to get back together with everybody and maybe reestablish some of the old norms. I personally don't think you ever fully go back to what it was because when these big events happen in history, they shape how we do things and, and uh, shape how we interact with each other uh, socially as a society. And so it's, it'll be very interesting to see where we go. And uh, it's not only impacted Freemasonry, it's uh, impacted our kids' schools, our churches. Every organization has had an impact, businesses, restaurants. And uh, so there's going to be a lot of uh, adjusting going forward. So I think there's an opportunity there to, to maybe take advantage of, of a new norm. So Bill, what do you think about the future in, in, 21. What do you, what's, what's your thoughts?
2: Every year, the Grand Lodge of Indiana, nearest the day of their founding, held, holds what they call a Founders Day every January. And under normal circumstances, it's held within the Indianapolis Scottish Rite. Well, obviously this year, it's not a normal year. And so they held it via, um, Zoom and they, they held a pretty much people from all over the state of Indiana. And I think anywhere could watch it. And I ended up watching it this this last Saturday, and um, out of all the stuff that it's basically used to announce the coming uh, ideas for the next Grand Lodge year, and Grand Lodge, or excuse me, the Grand Master, the Most Worshipful Brother Kenneth Roy, he was last year's Grand Master, and he's ended up having to spend the second year because of the COVID. He said something, and I thought it pretty much summed up this entire thing. He said that 2020 is going to prove to be the death knell for we've always done it that way. And I thought, you know, that is probably the most profound thing I've heard about masonry and COVID that I have heard. Because once we've got this genie out of the bottle of Masonic education, of uh, being able to conduct conduct some minuscule silly meeting that we don't have to go down to the lodge for, like say not say a stated meeting, but just say like, you know, if you're going to have a committee on fixing the roof or something like that. I thought I'd throw that to Darren. If you could hold that over a, a teleconference or something, maybe that this is going to bring that about. Maybe it's going to make Freemasonry a little smarter and a little leaner, and we're going to be able to do things that we wasn't able to do before, and we're not going to have so much pushback because even the naysayers are going to say, hey, you know what? That actually worked. Maybe this isn't so bad. Maybe this isn't going to be the end of masonry as we know it. And so I'm hoping that Brother Roy was correct about that. And I think that it's really going to give us a shot in the arm. And I think that once these older brethren see that that Freemasonry is not going to fall down because of all these new voodoo things that we're doing, we might be able to get some of the younger guys and they might want to stay because they might have something in common. So I think that our look in next in 2021 is actually optimistic for Freemasonry.
0: Boy, what a great observation on the grand master's part. That's uh that's not an episode waiting to happen. I don't know what it is. Boy, just that's uh I think you're right, Bill. That is the most profound thing I've really heard in a succinct way about Freemasonry and the COVID stuff. Uh just awesome. Darren, what of uh what are your thoughts going forward and what do you uh what are you looking forward to?
1: Well, before I uh, go into what I'm looking forward to in 2021, I just wanted to uh, thank some other of our guests that we were able to have on for 2020. I uh, wanted to thank Brother Matthew Christmas, who was able to join Bill and I with our conversation with the English Mason, Brother Sotiri. Uh, which was uh, our conversation with uh, a Greek Freemason, RJ and Lisa Goodpaster for joining us in the Talent Development and Freemasonry episode, which was episode 25, and also Brother Robert W. Sullivan IV, who was able to join us uh, for episode 18. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Brother Sullivan's works and especially his uh, Cinema Symbolism series. If uh, you are a film buff and uh, also into uh, esoterics, I would highly recommend uh, those series of books. You can buy uh, Brother Sullivan's books from his website. That's Robert W. Sullivan IV com. And I know I'm missing so many folks. Uh just a, a big thank you to everyone we had on. Uh John Paul Gomez uh from Fraternal Ties also just wanted to, to thank you as well. Uh going on uh twenty twenty one uh I think uh what Bill hit the nail on the head with what the grandmaster of Indiana said and uh We need to uh, just acknowledge that uh, this has changed Freemasonry, what we have been able to do, uh, meeting virtually and having uh, endless opportunity for education online. I think uh, at least every week I've seen at least uh, between five and ten opportunities uh, from various uh, appendant bodies or Blue Lodges or Grand Lodges for Masonic education. And uh, my hope is, and I I think it's more than a hope, because I think it it will continue. And I think that this is going to be uh, a new norm, if you will, hopefully for Masonic education. And I look forward to being able to participate in as many of those as possible. I've been Extremely blessed to have uh, been able to give a few presentations to various lodges around uh, the United States virtually. Uh, the last one uh, I gave about a week ago. I'm invited to give a presentation to a lodge in New York, and uh, that lodge is James W. Houston Fiat Lux, number 1068, New York. And I was invited by Worship uh, Brother Shlomo Bar IL to give a presentation about my Noakite article to that lodge and uh, just, just extremely humbled and blessed to be able to do that. So I think that uh, that's going to be hopefully uh, a way that uh, the brethren can continue to connect even when all this is over and we go back to meeting in person.
0: Yeah, it's uh, really been awesome to see uh, how Freemasonry has adapted uh, and and really has blossomed in my view in terms of just the uh the educational opportunities. There were so many, frankly, I I just couldn't go to all of them and uh sometimes I've had zoom fatigue after you've done it all day at work. But uh boy, I hope I think both you're right. It's going to keep going uh into the future. So I'm optimistic about 21. Uh the vaccines of course are rolling out. I hope you consider getting a vaccine uh you know, having since I work at university, I've talked to a ton of scientists about it and uh, the science on it, and and I've talked to MDS as well. is is completely solid, and uh, there's no reason for you to to not get it if if that's something you desire. Hope you have a good 2021. We're gonna plan out some really fun episodes, I think, in the coming year. Uh, I hope you take care of yourself. Uh, reach out to a brother reach out to a neighbor reach out to a friend and see how they're doing sometimes just that voice or the simple text to say hey is everything going okay i think probably makes all the difference in somebody's day and uh it, it only takes just a, a few seconds or minutes and uh you really will make an impact on on somebody and you'll feel good yourself because it's uh uh, that communication and feelings is a good, uh, two way street. So, with that, again, uh, thank you for everybody that, uh, listened in 2020. Again, thank you to all of our guests. Without them, we couldn't have done it. My special thanks again to Darren for just the outstanding, uh, job you've done with editing and Bill for the outstanding job you've done on our website and social media. This thing would not go without you two and all the work that you've done. So my heartfelt thanks uh, again. And it's been a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to, uh, to 2021. So with that again, everybody, uh, I hope you're staying safe. Uh, and don't worry, uh, things are going to turn around. Uh, I can see the horizons, just, uh, still a little ways out there, but it's coming. And so, uh, again, take care of yourself and appreciate you listening to another episode of meet act and part thank you for listening to meet act and part for more information about our show visit our website at www.meetactandpart.com while there please consider supporting the show by sponsoring us on patreon until we meet again may we meet